everyone, and welcome back to the sixth episode of Obsessed and So Obscure, a Mapberry music podcast. I'm Courtney, and we have with us Jesse. Hello. And Tara. Hey. Today we are going to be tackling one of my all-time favorite albums, Kill the Wolf. And I imagine this is going to be a pretty quick and straightforward episode because we all agree that this is one of the greatest <laughs> albums ever made, right? So yeah. we're just going to run through it. Now, I think we're going to have some strong opinions on this album, so strap yourself <laughs> in. We're going to start just from the beginning with the title of the album because it is a pretty evocative title. And Matt's given a few explanations for this title over the years. Um, he actually... Uh, during the album's release cycle, back when he had kind of a, a mini blog on his website, the mattberry.co.uk, he wrote uh, what was, I think, kind of called a journal entry talking about what inspired this album title and some of the concepts behind the album. Um, and he wrote, The idea for the new album came from an incident that occurred not that long ago. Hang on, I'm jumping ahead. I'll begin again. The new album is another pastoral folk journey, but this time with a slightly more sinister edge. Is it about someone? You, me, the devil, entering your village in your life? That idea is not always so literal as when I was writing this, I was interested in the devil in all of us. When I was at university, a man who I considered to be an idiot at the time informed me that inside every human being is an angel and a devil, fighting for our attention with equal force. It is up to us as individuals as to who we allow to win. The reason for me having to endure this speech was due to my horrific timekeeping, but more importantly, the fact that I must have reeked of alcohol whenever we met. His words at the time seemed trite, almost Sunday school in their simplicity. In fact, I remember almost walking away before he had concluded his point. That was my favorite social weapon at the time. I know. But he looked straight at me, he didn't blink or say a word, which weirdly made me unable to move a social weapon that I quickly stole from him. Whatever, I imagined I left his office and headed straight towards the bed of a cleaner student or a happy hour and thought very little of it. Roll on nearly 20 years. After a night of considerable intake, I, with the lady friend of the time, headed back to my flat so we could continue our dreadful excesses. After a couple of hours into the dawn, I remember asking my friend who was sat next to me a question, which she completely ignored. Staring straight in front, she didn't move. I repeated the question and was greeted with total silence. After what seemed like a yonk, she turned towards me and in a voice that sounded like a World War II veteran and told me that I should get out now before the light comes up. I will admit I nearly dropped my stomach. I have never been so terrified in my life. My instinct at the time was to make light of it in a lame attempt to evaporate the atmosphere. It wasn't two seconds before I turned back terrified that she would be glaring back at me, or worse, that I saw her lying with eyes shut in what looked like a deep sleep. I awoke her and reminded her of what had just happened seconds before as calmly as I could. She had no memory of any such, one-sided conversation, was in fact fairly adamant that she had been sleep asleep for a while. I conducted the rest of the eve-slash-morning with absolute caution. It was this incident that reminded me of my ex-tutor's words, and thus was part inspiration for the Kill the Wolf album. And no, I did not imagine it. So that is kind of the long version of what Kill the Wolf is all about. Um, in an in interview around that time with the Velvet Onion blog, which we've quoted before on this podcast, he gave a little more concise summary of what C Kill the Wolf means to him. And what he said at that time is, it's a metaphor for the good and bad that we have within us. He explains the title and the record's central concept and our ability to keep one on top so the evil doesn't win. 
We have this evil image of a wolf, because whenever a kid went missing in an old English village, they'd always blame a wolf, so killing the wolf is basically stamping out the bad side. That could be not taking drugs or just having more time for certain things. So this album was released in June, I believe, of 2013. And it was first release, I believe the first release was not a gatefold, but this is in fact our first gatefold album from Acid Jazz. And it was released first on black. And then at some point, there was a black and a translucent red. The timeline for all of this is a little vague, but then it was um, released also in the splatter print, which was available only in the Kill the Wolf box set. And then um, in 2021, most recently, it was re-released in the bottle green, which is such an amazing color between the splatter print and the bottle green. I They're like two of my favorite albums that I own. So the cover of the album, um, cover photography is by Ben Meadows. Actually, all the photography is by Ben Meadows. Um, the cover it just shows Matt standing in a field. Pretty probably everybody's familiar with it if you've ever listened to this album. And it looks totally normal, except for on his left hand, he has a cloven hoof, so which is kind of fun. And then on the back, he's just waving same cloven hook. And then the inside of the gatefold, Matt is lying on his back um, with headphones on. He's surrounded by instruments that are like superimposed. And he's reading a book called The Hedge Witch, which it's, it's called The Hedge Witch, a Guide to Solitary Witchcraft by Ray Beth. The excerpt of the book says the author extols the feminine principles of healing and regeneration, as well as attacking greed and self-interest, which jeopardize the planet's very future. And the book was released under the title The Wiccan Path in the United States, which just doesn't at all have the same ring to it. I don't know why, if we both speak English, why things are released in one country under one title and a, a different title in a different country, like Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone versus the Sorcerer's Stone. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. But I probably would have been more likely to buy it if it was called the Hedge Witch. Um, I always dumb it down for the US. Really? That is... Okay, let's just be honest. That's what it is, right? They're dumbing it down That's exactly what it is. They don't think we know what the word philosopher is. (laughs) They don't think we can handle like a six-word title, so they... Cut it down to three. <laughs> They're not going to know what a hedge witch is. We'll just call it the Wiccan path. That's much more straightforward. Yeah. yeah. So and visualize the path. Right. So the album has so many witchy themes to it and sounds. I think that this book, if he actually really did read it, is kind of probably a real inspiration for a lot of things that are happening with the the album itself and the illustrations on the album, which are very cool. The illustrations on the the sleeve of the record are they're done by an artist called fuchsia warrenberg which is just a fantastic name it really is she totally sounds like somebody that would be doing this type of illustration (laughs) um so one of the illustrations is matt's face on a stag like it's a stag only instead of the deer face it's matt's face and i believe this is a direct reference to the wiccan philosophy of a horned god. The horned god is worshipped in witchcraft and modern paganism and it represents the male aspect of nature. There's also a twin-tailed siren slash mermaid, which you can see every single day on the Starbucks logo. It's called, the name of the this actual siren is called Melusine. 
And in alchemy, it's a creature of enlightenment. The two tails represent earth and water, body and soul. She's also seen as a fertility goddess in some mythology. Um, the hands that are towards the middle are part of the Buddhist and Hindu cultures called mudras. The hand that's furthest to the left is a sign of the horns, which is used to protect against evil. The middle hand is the shuni madra that it, it enhances sensory sharpness and intuitive powers while cleansing the body of toxic thoughts and emotions. And the hand to the furthest to the right, I actually couldn't find anything about. It's possible that it was drawn incorrectly with the placement of the thumb, but it's possibly it was an air symbol. I don't know. There's a few drawings of humans with wolf heads, and this is called um, Cynocephaly. And this particular creature appears in all sorts of legends and myths. Um, werewolves, most commonly um, in, the Af in the Native American culture. They're sometimes known as skinwalkers. And then there's a nude figure on, the, uh, an illustration of a nude figure also, which could represent witches doing spells and incantations in the nude. I don't know. This is just kind of what I found when I did my research. I don't know if Matt had any direct influence on any of these images or if he just told the artist draw something witchy so yeah. <laughs> but i think it's pretty interesting too it definitely good is. job on the research that was awesome thanks yes one thing that is kind of unique to this album up up to this point in matt's career is that there are quite a few guest appearances from other well-known prominent musicians on this album and as we talked about during witch hazel it was a pretty solo endeavor there, there were a few guitar solos from um, other musicians, and obviously Matt rarely plays the drums on his own albums, but for the most part, Matt played really everything but the drums and the woodwinds, which are handled as usual by Cecilia Fage. Here, he actually has some other musicians guesting on guitar, guesting on various other instruments. Um, he talked in an interview with the Quietus website back in June 2013 about how these guest appearances came about. And what he said at that time is Mark Morris of the Blue Tones singing is quite a bit on it, and he's a very old friend. I'd always loved his voice, and I knew that I wanted him on it. And then there's Eric Johnson from The Shins and Fruit Bats. Again, I'd always been a huge fan of his. I love his voice, and he's all over the album. I wrote something about him on Twitter when one of his albums came out, and he got back straight away and said equally that he'd been watching what I was doing. We should do something. So as soon as, ev as I was putting the album together, he was the first person that I thought of. Alex Robert Shaw of Everything Everything's the same. I love his guitar playing. We knew each other, and I thought that it would be cool for him to do something that he doesn't normally do, so that's why the slide guitar fell out. He doesn't do that in his band, and that's great to hear him do something that you don't normally hear him do. He's an amazing technician, and he's a lovely bloke, so I was lucky to get him on there. So we'll kind of mention as we go where you hear some of these guest musicians. Um, it's not necessarily obvious listening to the, the album itself. They tend to blend in yeah. really smoothly with Matt's style. But we'll try to kind of point out when those songs have some of the guests um, so you can tune your ear to them. Are we ready to do this? Are we ready to talk about the music? Oh, I'm bracing myself. I'm bracing myself let's to feel some it. emotions here. All right, let's start at the beginning. Gather up. Gather up the dill and the thyme and the walnuts, the fennel and the sage and the garlic and the fox. Let's gather up the mint and the lemon balm and hen, bay, mistletoe and mandrake, the poke and the nightshade. Garlic and the fox must gather up the mist and the lemon balm and hay. 
one of the best intro songs that I have ever heard on any album. What? This is, how is this sorry, not? Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> wow. He's good at intros. Sorry. He's good at intros. I didn't mean to cut you off. He's good at intros. So far from what we've gone through of his stuff, this is like, anyways, no, sorry. Continue. This song is so, so powerful that this is what he chose to name his greatest hits collection after. Yes. So- he loves it. You can tell. Yeah. I kind of thought it was more of a literal reference, like gather up myself. But I mean, Ooh. it might not be. Works on multiple I levels. Yeah, that. it works on multiple levels. Yeah. It's the most obvious reference to witches and spells on the album. It basically is just goes straight for it. Just too repetitive. Like, I like the, oh, the yeah, music. Yeah. It just does not stop. It's just it's too repetitive. I It just gets at me a little bit after listening to the whole thing. That's a big part of why this song works for me, though, is it really does feel like a chant or an incantation. It has this hypnotic spell-like quality that just builds an intensity. It kind of turns into a round as the song progresses, and it just feels like it kind of descends on you. It really feels like you are having a spell put on you. Yeah, that's a really good description. That's exactly what it feels like, because it does build in that as it gets, it it feels like the song gets more powerful as it goes along. This song also was in the end credits of the Witches episode of What We Do in the Shadows. That was Mm. uh, season two, episode nine, if you're keeping tabs. It was ran Mm. through the end credits. So obvious reference to Witches for the song. You know, something that I've said on pretty much every album we've talked about so far, and I'll probably probably keep saying, is that Matt loves an overture. I mean, this man might not have acted in musical theater, but he's kind of a music theater geek at heart. And he loves to kind of lay the scene. And even if it's not as literal an overture as we saw in something like Opium, it definitely has that that feeling of laying the scene, kind of laying down what the album's about. It's funny that I played this song for my mom a while back, who had no idea who Matt was, didn't really know that he was an actor. And the first thing that she said is, it reminds me of Le Mis. It's got this really theatrical feel to it. And (laughs) it totally does. Somebody commented on something on social media and said that Matt paints with his words, I think is what they said. And I thought that was really such a good description because he really, really is very good at that. And this song is a very good example of that. For me, just perfect intro, perfect lead off to, spoiler alert, what I think is a great Mm -hmm. album. I'm going to give it five out of five stars. Although I think it is a very good intro, this is actually my least favorite song on the entire album. What? I think it just because it (laughs) is a little bit too literal for me. Like it, it, it really is kind of black and white. It's a spell kind of thing, which is fine. It's totally fine. It's just not my taste, particularly. So out of everything on this album, this is my least favorite one. And I gave it two stars. And that's not because I don't think it's good. I just as far as everything else, I think this one is, it's just my least favorite song on the whole thing. Wow. That's very fair. I like that Courtney and I were both like, what? But like, you were like, what? Because you're like, this is so amazing. And I was like, what? There are <laughs> way worse songs on this album. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I gave it a 2.95 out of 5. I really like it. I just find the lyrics too repetitive. That's all. It's a chant, guys. It's a spell. It's supposed to be repetitive. And I actually I think that like that's it. just that's just the part that I kind of am like, mm, it's a little too literal for me. No, no, I like, get it. Yeah, I like, get I it. I get it. I get it. But I'm like, nah, I don't. I don't like it. Because also to me, this album as a whole, 
I know it, it still goes back to the horrors of the countryside, but to me, it kind of feels more like nature. Like, well, I guess in that would fit too, because, oh, you know, Wiccans and pagans and stuff are very nature centric. Yeah. But it's, to me, it's almost like a changing of the seasons more as more than the horrors of the countryside. So I kind of feel like maybe it was a little bit forced in there, like too literal. I think it's too literal. That was my problem with it. <laughs> too literal get on board with that yeah all right well (laughs) i will fight my urge to convince you both of your wrongness (laughs) and instead move on to devil inside me transition from gather up gather up kind of stops um pretty sharply and then you get this opening guitar note a devil inside me and it really jolts you it feels almost to me like a transition from a dream state going uh to waking wide up which is something that matt loves to do and you see a lot in this album too is this kind of juxtaposition of sort of quiet more ballad-like songs to really loud uh, propulsive songs but it does continue the chant-like feel that you get from gather up the chorus or he uh, sings up high fall back down again almost feels to me a little bit like a nursery rhyme and um yeah that's all i got there (laughs) so this also i should mention that this is the first the first song where you have some guest appearances this is um one with eric johnson from the shins and the fruit bats and also mark morris from the blue tones also part of the maypoles make an appearance on this song this song i it's to me it sounds just like a literal struggle with inner demons, good versus evil, maybe somebody that has some possible anger or temper issues. There's a lot of opposite themes happening throughout the entire album, like a yin and yang Mm -hmm. kind of feel. There's a really amazing fiddle solo in the middle, which just, just takes it, just soars after that. fiddle instrumental is by Catriona Gilmore and it's just Mm -hmm. so good uh and then I don't know if you know something else that it makes me think of is maybe just a personal struggle with the highs and lows of being in the public eye but yeah I think it's a a really amazing song I really love it like a lot of the lyrics on this album the the words this song kind of work on multiple levels because they definitely could be read as struggling with being in the public eye with struggling with just kind of internal um conflicts but there's also this other layer where it's a very literal 
kind of folktale about literally the devil being inside of you. Something that I found really kind of cool about this song, I had to look up the reference to the old goose fair just because the nerd in me had to know if that is a real (laughs) fair. And it turns out it is. It's one of Hmm. three fairs in England, which bear the name Old Goose Fair. But the largest and best known of these fairs is the Nottingham Goose Fair. And um, as many of you are aware, Matt went to college at Nottingham Trent University. So this is a fair that he was probably very familiar with and most likely attended. Um, The Nottingham Goose Fair, no one's sure exactly when it got started, but historians think it might have been around in some form for up to a thousand years. It started as kind of a a trade fair. Uh, They would sell geese, hence the name. And now it's more of like a fun (laughs) fair carnival with rides and sideshow attractions. My favorite fact about the Nottingham Goose Fair was that in 1764, there were what are now known as the cheese riots over the rising cost of cheese at the fair. And it ended with a male, male? mayor of Nottingham being toppled by a giant wheel of cheese, <laughs> which, you know, you got to go somehow. And that's maybe how I would choose to die. There was something similar that happened in Boston. Uh, I don't remember when, I don't know, like 1700s. I'd have to go back and, and research it because I didn't know anything about that story. And that's really, really funny, actually. I mean, sad for him and his family, but interesting. But yeah, to there be was fair, it didn't say that laughing. he was killed yeah. by the wheel of cheese, just that he was toppled by it. So hopefully he made a full recovery <laughs> and got some yeah. cheese out of the deal. Just instantly made me go to that episode of Toast where he got flattened by the steam. Yes. <laughs> that's what I feel like he looked like after getting run over by a wheel of cheese. But something happened in Boston. Uh, I, I want to say it was like the 1700s or early 1800s with like a molasses factory exploded and like molasses just flooded the streets of Boston and like people killed a lot of people yeah Yeah. I'm like laughing because it's a funny image but at the same time a lot of people died that's just you just don't imagine things like that happening no but it's sad but also it's funny at the same time yeah that's like um, we're so far back from it it's been a couple hundred years it's not too soon finally laugh it's it's not too soon we can get over it. Yeah. We don't know any of the so, molasses victims. No, no. Not sorry if anybody who's listening is like a great descendant of I one. did see it. I, we, I went we to the care. I went to the spot where it happened though. Because we I took oh, yeah. when we were just in Boston uh, in August and took a Segway tour and that was one of the stops was the Great Molasses Incident or whatever it was called at the time. <laughs> which Clearly, is now a, a baseball field. It smelled like molasses on hot days for like decades and decades and decades. Crazy. Is that a bad thing? Molasses I, I don't know. Though. I mean, if yeah. you lost somebody in the molasses accident, it would be a bad thing. You're like, oh. It would, it would be a painful <laughs> reminder. Yeah. You're like, I'm oh hungry, my gosh. but I'm sad. What has happened? Um, okay. <laughs> Sorry, we go off on tangents. Um, So my take on this song, I've always thought it was about a relationship. So I love like talking to you guys about this stuff because I seem to always be so far off from what you guys think. So, you know, Hello, yes, I'm not too sure what I meant to, who I meant to be. Did you want the priest or the adversary? Do you want the bad guy? You want me to play the good guy? You want me to play the bad guy? And then when he's like, but I'd blow your mind when I'm up high to fall back down again. To me, that's classic being with somebody who has, you know, manic depression or mm-hmm. bipolar. Um, mm-hmm. When I'm up, I'm good. I'm real good. You're going to be bewitched by me. But then it's all going to come crashing down. And eventually you're going to figure out that we never met at the old goose fair. And I've been lying to you this whole time. And you're going to be so pissed. That's how I've always taken it. I love the line about the old goose fair, you know, 
I was never there. I don't know. I don't know what it means. That's just always, it was always like about a relationship in my head where he's fooling this this lady. Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree. I, I get that every time I hear it too, that there's some sort of an anger slash temper bipolar situation yeah. happening. So I give it. I don't love this song but i give it a three out of five i think some of the lyrics are just totally kick-ass there's some parts of the song i don't love but not the lyrics are really good tara i don't believe it because i was bracing myself to butt heads with you in every single song <laughs> but i'm also gonna give this a three out of five hey. oh, wow i gave it a four out of five I really like this one. It's us against you, Jesse. Yeah. Well, I made up for my my two on the first one, I guess. Maybe a little bit. (laughs) All right. Moving on to Fallen Angel. Like a brown sound. Nothing to prove. Turn my face to the floor. Forgotten my shoes. But I shouldn't be here It's dangerous for you I thought I was clear I should be on the move I'm so adverse to change It strains my heart Fills me with horror as milk from the fallen angel flows through my veins and fills my heart with another man's aims. So he starts with, I just think it's a really interesting line. So the song starts right out with like a brown sound. And that's not a description that I'd ever heard before. But as soon as you hear it, you kind of just know in your head what a brown sound is. I, I kind of no, really I don't. like that. I don't. What's a brown sound? Like a black, a bad sound, like a something oh, okay. maybe that goes bump in the night or something that just doesn't seem normal, kind of just nope. just an unpleasant Didn't. sound. That's how I, I think of it. Black sound. I would have thought of that. I've never heard a brown sound before. So I was like, what do you guys yeah. think? I'm pretty sure he just made it up. But that's what I think it is. Yeah. I always um, thought of it as being like a blue note or like a note yeah. that's a little discordant. Yeah, yeah. Something just that's mm. not doesn't settle right that's just off. Not pleasing. Just yeah. off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He also makes a reference to shoes in this. And I think this might be the first song where he references shoes, but this is something that comes up a lot in his uh, lyrics. This isn't even the first song or it's not even the last song where he talks about forgetting his shoes because on Where's My Love on Phantom Birds yeah. a few hours later, yeah. he also talks about forgetting his shoes. Yes. Man needs to keep yeah. track of his shoes. I just think it's funny that it's a theme that comes up, but he does seem to really like shoes. Boots, anyway. Boots, specifically. Uh, to me, the song... can't keep track of them. Yeah. To me, this song kind of sounds like it may have been something like a one-night stand or in a relationship with somebody that he maybe shouldn't have been in with, um, who maybe was unavailable, and it, he was just saying, you shouldn't be here, it's dangerous for you, like maybe because of his fame sort of you know they could get caught um he also mentions the line there's a line that says milk from a fallen angel flows through my veins and i thought this line was very interesting i did a little research on that and the term fallen angel not the specific term but the reference of it first appeared in the second temple period of jewish history which is when early christianity was formed between 530 bc and 70 a.d 
and fallen angels were um, called watchers and they fell after being attracted to and having relations with human women and the offspring are thought to be full of sin and corrupt or demonic so Hmm. i thought that was kind of interesting i don't know if that's a reference that he was going for but it does really fit in with the theme of the album this is also the song that mentions the album title it says so kill this wolf and cut through my chains at the very end and there is a credit for the french horn played by mike phage and i'm wondering i don't know if this is maybe cecilia's husband oh anyone guess so he's on a couple of them i don't know if he's just keeping it in the family there i really love this song it's kind of a slight song but it's really probably the most traditional folk piece that he's done up until this point. It's kind of an outlier in his catalog. He doesn't really have a whole lot of ballads quite like this. And it's interesting that you, I had a totally different interpretation of the lyrics. For me, he I really zeroed in on the, the lyrics about how he's so adverse to change. It strains his heart and fills him with horror. Because that's so at odds with some of the other lyrics on the album, which really focus in kind of a celebratory way on the changing of the seasons. This comes up in Solstice and Farewell Summer Sun, even a little bit in October Sun. These are songs all about kind of the natural cycles of change and growth and life and death. Um, And this song really touches on struggle with that. So I thought it was a kind of interesting flip side to some of what he speaks about later in the album. Yeah, that's a good thought. That's good. This song is, it's my favorite on the album. It's its just, I think it's perfection. It's just the lyrics, the, the music, it's beautiful. I don't know what the fuck the lyrics are about. I, I always got <laughs> like kind of uh, like a religious feel to it. And again, probably just because of my Catholic upbringing, but the fallen angel, uh, kill this wolf, cut through my chains. I don't know. I just get like kind of religious imagery. Don't know if that's right. I don't really think too much ab- about it. I just think it's beautiful. I think I think the lyrics are, are just so well done and they paint a picture, but I don't know what that picture is. I think that's the whole kind of thing with this album. Yes, there's a lot of religious overtones and it's really some of his songs are very, very straightforward and... It's kind of like they're on the nail or on the nose as far as the lyrics go. There's They don't leave a lot of it to interpretation. And then there's other songs like this that are so shrouded in imagery where it's really, I think the only person who actually really knows what any of it means is Matt because yeah. they're really hard to decipher. It's just really anybody's guess. So I, I'm speculating a lot on the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> We think, all are. That's what we're here for. Yeah. I gave this song four stars. I think it's a really great song. I can't believe I- it. But once again, I'm going to agree. I think this is kind of, it's it's an album track. It's not really one of the songs that jumps out to you from this album. But it really draws you in. And once you uh, listen to it a few times, it's sort of, as we've talked about, really kind of serves as food for thought about what he what he means by it and what the deeper meaning is. Um, so yeah, I'd go with four stars as well. I give it five out of five. Uh, lyrically, wow. this is the best song in the album, in my opinion. I five out of five. All right. Well, see, I don't hate them all. I like some of them. <laughs> so far, y'all are being almost nicer than I am. Yeah, you'll see. Hold on. You just wait. Yeah. 
Again, Matt loves his quiet, loud transitions, and from Fallen Angel, it propels right into medicine. And this is probably the most straightforward indie rock song he's done up until this point. It's probably still one of the most straightforward indie rock songs he's ever recorded. So with slightly different instrumentation and of course different vocals, this sounds like it could be a Shin song. This is one of those songs where if you're listening with headphones, which I highly recommend, it starts on one side monotone and then it blows up into full stereo, which is a very cool touch. There's a a lot of multi-layered vocals and Mark Morris is also featured on the song. The lyric that I really love that just like totally is me in so many ways. He says the compost heap that is my mind. And I like <laughs> relate to that in so many ways. Who doesn't? <laughs> no. The song yeah. seems to have like a lot of self-loathing and self doubt like there's always maybe somebody that's more important than him Uh, he doesn't deserve something right more worthy Uh, yeah more worthy exactly i'm not a huge fan of the lyrics of this song they're just kind of simple yeah but the music is really good there's two music videos one an official music video that goes along with it that just features matt obviously in a cute western shirt and Mm. Cecilia Fage is in it she's wearing a a witch's hat and Mark Morris is playing the guitar and Eddie Piller is playing the drums so that's basically the essential the entire music video is just them playing instruments standing in one position in front of a green screen with clips of the Grand Canyon is like I think the main clip possibly the Grand Canyon and then like and then there's also a stripped down music video which is just Matt and Mark Morris in Matt's apartment and they're sitting on his couch playing Matt's playing an electric guitar Mark's got an acoustic guitar and really the thing that I love about this video is that you can see the music for Insomniac's art on the walls like the full three painting he's got a painting of possibly a pheasant which was a grouse oh is it a grouse that's right it's the famous grouse and that was painted by uh, Vic Reeves, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He, he talked in another article about buying it from Vic Reeves. Yes, that's what it was. I knew I'd seen that somewhere. I kind of feel like maybe they were pushing this one to be the big, important single. Maybe the one that yeah. would break through from the whole album, but... No. No. It falls a little flat for me. No. It is catchy. So, it's definitely an earworm, but... It is an earworm, for sure. Ultimately, I'm kind of with you. It's just a little uninteresting to me. I think Experimental Matt is my favorite version of Matt, and that's really what he does best. And this song is just, it feels like he's kind of experimenting with something that's not really his wheelhouse. It's also a little bit shouty. It's a little shouty. It is. <laughs> Which I don't like his shouty songs. Like, so low. I didn't like that. I mean, not that I don't like it, but it's got like, that same tone to it. It's just shouty. I don't like that so, so much. It's not a good, like... That's not a good thing for his voice, kind of. No, no. So I only realized um, about a year ago that he is saying the world is full of finer men and not the world is full of firemen. (laughs) And uh, honest to God, I wish I had never looked up the lyrics because I just want to think that he's saying firemen. That's way funnier. That's way more amusing. That's all I have to say. That's all I have to say about this song, really. I don't I don't really particularly like this song. It's I find it annoying. I'll be I'll be just blunt. I I, I don't like this song. Do they even call them firemen in English? In I don't England? know. I don't know. I feel like there must be some They're like the fire brigade, aren't they? The fire brigade. Probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's gotta be some Which fancy you know, British way of saying it. Incidentally, every time I see a fire truck I say, Hey, it's the fire brigade. 
<laughs> no real so reason. Fancy. Yeah. So fancy. It's yeah. hard for us because we're not British, though, because we're like, I don't know. I don't know. They're yeah. like firemen. What's a fireman, you idiot? You freaking Canadian idiot. But then I don't it's know what brigade. they actually do call them. Do they uh, firefighters? No, maybe. I feel like that was kind of look this up. We're so similar yet so different. Like in, in this latest episode of S's for Synthesizer, when Matt says something about one of the guys from some band and he, then he's like, oh, I can't believe I just said guys. I hate when people said that. And then he said, fellas, or something like that. I'm like, what? wait, what else Gents. would you say? <laughs> like, that's literally our only word for, you know, the guy from that band? <laughs> you know, the guy, better words the guy it, from that like, movie? Yeah, they have, like, so many different descriptive words. And that's... Th- lads, fella, bloke, gent, bloke. Oh, bloke, I love bloke. That's mm. a good one. I think he said that later in the episode. I hate to disappoint you guys. Sorry, Matt. But I think they're called firemen in... England too. Okay. Oh, okay. So I was, I wasn't that far off. Feel free to correct know. me, British listeners. <laughs> yeah. You know they will. <laughs> they love to. Yeah. They and do. we love it too, though. We do because we don't know shit. No, we don't. Anyway, for this one, I gave it three stars just because I do really like the music part of it. This is turning out to be a lot less contentious than I had teased <laughs> at the beginning. I feel like we're letting people down here. Damn it! It's a three-star song for me too. It's catchy. It's solid pop songwriting. I'm just not sure that solid pop songwriting is what Matt does best. I agree with that. I'm giving it a 1.5 out of five. It's not good. Oh, okay. Wow. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was a gauntlet thrown. Yeah. I'm sorry. I I know people are going to like, because I I have a few on this album. You'll see. I feel like people are going to be like, oh my God, Tara, like what's wrong with you? Like, okay, listen, I loved like everything on Witch Hazel and Mm -hmm. Opium. Like, please just bear with me. That's funny. It happens. (laughs) I mean, you know, we're all different. He has so much. Like he he just, he does so many things and he's put out a lot of stuff and I, I don't know, you can't love it all or maybe you can. I don't know. I'm sure there's some people that do. I, You know, there might be some people that are just like, oh, my God, I love this song. And it's just because Matt wrote it. But I'm not one of those people. Yeah, I'm people. not one of those. No, no, I'm not one of those. We clearly yeah. aren't if you've been listening to the we podcast. We aren't. And that's the thing. We're all, like, really big fans. And overall, you know, we're huge fans. But, you know, we don't like everything. And I think that's normal. Not everybody's going to like everything. He is amazing and he can do no wrong. But <laughs> at the same time. But sometimes he does wrong. All right, moving on to Wolf Quartet. Now, speaking of songs which are not written by Matt. Um, This is actually a Cecilia Phage composition. Um, And this consists entirely of, as far as I can tell, a couple of woodwinds, uh, clarinet and flute, both played by Cecilia. This is really less of a song than kind of an interlude. Um, We were actually just talking about whether or not to even really consider it a full song, and we decided to because it does feel fully formed, and it has a great sense of atmosphere, it really lends a sense of tone to the album, but it is brief and sort of serves really to transition from medicine, again, that kind of quiet, loud dynamic that Matt loves, to Solstice, which is really one of the centerpieces of the album. I don't know what to say about Wolf Quartet besides I like it. I didn't know it was her, but I, I really like it. I was going to say nice. That's like a really weird thing. It's a nice it's a very song. very Canadian thing to say, Tara. <laughs> 
It is. It is nice. It, to me, it does seem more like an interlude in between the two halves of the album. Yeah. Like this one kind of sets up the next section, I think, a little bit more. But I also think with the song placement, it could have been used maybe just the way the songs are placed on the album. They're kind of scattered as far as like the atmospheric sense of them and like the more literal pop song sense of them. They're a little bit scattered. But I mean, I think that was probably just to keep it a little bit more interesting too. But yeah, yeah I think it's a good a little interlude. It um, sounds very ominous. It does. It does. It does. Very much in keeping with the folk horror theme of the album. Yeah, I agree. So do you guys have um, any stars for this one? We like it. It's four to five. 4.5 for me. It's hard to really think of much more to say about it, but for what it's trying to do, I think it works really, really well. No complaints here. Yeah, I give it like a three and a half. I have no, nothing negative to say. It's it's nice. I mean, it is what it it's is. Nice. It's a nice little tune. That's what we think. It's nice. <laughs> <laughs> so Solstice. We have a couple of things that Matt talked about in some interviews. The first one would be from The Quietus from June 12th of 2013. So the interviewer asks him, could you talk me through the song Solstice? How did you piece it together? Where Matt says, it was kind of a concept in my head to start with where I knew I wanted it to go from the shortest to the longest day and back to the shortest. So that kind of journey, that was what I had in my head and I had the imagery of what would happen on the way and then ending up where you first started off from. There's a line about taking pleasure in the season's change, which is very important to me because due to work, I've had to spend a lot of time in Los Angeles where there's no change of season. And I always end up thinking, I couldn't live here. I need to see what autumn looks like. I need to see these kind of changes. That was the main inspiration for it, really. Getting off on the fact that it's starting to get colder and the leaves are changing color. These really obvious things. The fact that it's that long. I've never had this problem with things needing to be two minutes and 50 seconds or whatever. If If it takes eight minutes to get the imagery across... Then so be it, I think. There was another interview from uh, a retrospective from the Sound uh, Sound on Sound magazine from December of 2020. And he said, I'm fond of long form and an idea that has some sort of more than one part to it. He says, I've been doing that while it's been hideously unfashionable and then slightly fashionable. Uh, Actually, it's never been fashionable to do that, but I haven't cared. I've always been interested in music that has a bunch of ideas in it and isn't self-conscious of its own length. So speaking of that, this song is just shy of nine minutes and 30 seconds, and it is a musical odyssey. Watch the sun dip down on the shortest day And find the gathers of the lambs as they skip and play Just a true prog rock epic 
It is. Again, if you're listening with headphones, which I recommend as usual, there's a very interesting echoey stereophonic effect uh, right at the beginning that just switches from the left and right ears. The song is really, to me, when I listen to it, it gives me that feeling of being cozy. And being from Florida, I totally get the thing about craving change of seasons. I'm a Florida native. I've never experienced the change of seasons. I just for the first time this year saw the leaves change because I went up to New Jersey. So I got to see like some actual foliage change. But even with that, I absolutely can tell the difference in the air. Even in Florida, when there's no actual change in temperature, usually when it starts to become fall. And I absolutely love it. To me, it's just like the most magical time of year. Um, Every once in a while, we'll get a cold front, which is even better. But I totally, even having not grown up with it and never experiencing it in my adult life, I crave that. And I, you know, eventually, because Florida is a cesspool and I can't wait to get out of the state, would really love to experience that. So whenever the the weather here does get a little bit cooler, I always love to put on this record. And I really love to listen to Solstice because it just is so cozy to me. There's a little bit of an ominous twist to it, I think. Thomas Walsh and Tosh Flood from Pugwash do backing vocals. Andy Vickery plays the lead guitar. He also did the lead guitar on Woman, or the, he did the big... Um, Impressive good- guitar Yeah, the impressive guitar solo on Woman. And then just like the pheasant, the vocals for this are only in the beginning and the end. And then all of the musical mastery comes in the middle. Something that kind of surprised me about the vocals is that a few points you hear kind of a harmonizing female vocal, which I had always assumed was Cecilia Fage. That was actually created via synth. Uh, if I'm not, not mistaken, oh. Cecilia Fage isn't credited on this particular song. I do not think so. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. You're right that this is really one of the proggiest songs in Matt's overture. It's right up there with the pheasant as being pretty pure, undiluted prog goodness. It feels like a multi-part suite, as Matt talked about in that Sound on Sound interview. You hear a lot of uh, the ARP Odyssey synth. You hear dramatic echoing vocals. This is full on that Mike Oldfield influence coming through. You also hear kind of a medieval influence in the in the vocal, or I'm sorry, in the lyrics. Some of these lyrics are a little florid. At one point he says, the black cloak of night doth shield. He's definitely kind of leaning into his love of old English folklore here and really embracing it. And I think that's what he does best, actually. I think it's songs like this that are really, I think this these are like his bread and butter kind of songs. I think so too. I think it's pretty telling that even though he hasn't really made a lot of a lot of albums in the vein of Witch Hazel and Kill the Wolf, they're still what a lot of people think of when they think of his music. They really immediately go to this kind of English folk horror, whores of the countryside yeah. imagery. Which is so funny because yeah. those are two out of all of his albums, but yet they've still, those are really, you're right, what people think of the most, even though the Small Hours was nothing like that. Phantom Birds was nothing like that. The Blue Elephant was nothing like that. Like, they're all, all of his albums, other than Kill the Wolf and Witch Hazel, go in a completely different direction. So I do think it's really interesting that that's more what he's known for, is this British folk sound. Because how many other people are doing it? That's true. That's very true. Yeah. And he is just so good at it, too. That's he the really thing. Is. He does it so well, really. Like, he does it so well. So I really like this. I don't I don't know how you couldn't like this. It, it's lovely, but, you know, some people would say maybe it's three minutes too long and uh those people are me 
It's three minutes too long. It should cut off right around six minutes and 30 seconds before the guitar riff goes in. I think that would be perfect. I Before the guitar riff goes in? Yeah. Yes. 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 I'm standing by what I just said. Yeah. I don't don't agree. But that's what you thought about the pheasant, too. You thought that one was too long, too, didn't you? I guess, like, maybe around, like, six minutes. (laughs) You just have a short attention span, I think. (laughs) Your limit. Yeah. No, I don't know. I just, I just don't really, li- I don't really like the guitar riff, and I'm sure that's controversial, but I just don't. I, I would personally give it like a four point five out of five. <laughs> Cut off at six minutes and thirty, but it doesn't, so it's a three out of five. Uh, okay. It's a song that takes you on a journey. You yeah. Just have to ride the wave. Yeah, I totally agree. Let it lead you along. I, I want to get off at the fourth stop. You know? <laughs> Not in it for the whole way. That's funny. I gave it five out of five because, like the pheasant, I just don't think it gets any better than that. 4.5 out of five for me. And the only reason it's not a pure five out of five is because I don't think it hits the heights that we are about to hit in our next song. Mm. Sorry. (laughs) So moving on to October Sun. October Sun is one of the riffs that Matt has gotten a lot of traction from throughout his career. Even if you have never listened to his albums, if you've watched Toast of London, you have heard October Sun several times over. If you've listened to Music for Insomniacs, which we will be touching on very soon, you have heard October Sun. This song was actually initially written for Music for Insomniacs, and then he kind of lifted this riff and developed it into a full-on song for Kill the Wolf in a very different version, same melody, but a kind of very different interpretation. This is a song that really feels, to me at least, simple and streamlined, despite having a pretty elaborate production. You hear some sound effects that start the song, hoarse noises, that clomping beat continues throughout the song. There's some really elaborate multi-layered strings. By my count, I think there's a ukulele, a banjo, a fiddle, and a violin on the song, in addition to an acoustic guitar solo by Eric D. Johnson of The Shins and the Fruit Bats. So there's a lot going on in this song, but it doesn't feel cluttered. Oh, and multi-track vocals, too, on top of everything. So there's a lot going on in this song, but it doesn't feel cluttered at all. It actually feels very simple and almost iconic to me, just in its melody. Yeah, so it seems like this song also, there's more themes of religion and definitely, I think, some more themes of self-doubt. He mentions Michael, Peter, Mark, and John. Please forgive me for I've done you wrong. Michael! 
did some research because I know nothing about the saints or the apostles and the apostles the dudes <laughs> so dudes. Tara you might be able to back this up then um so Saint Michael I found represents good versus evil Saint Peter is the gatekeeper to heaven Saint Mark is a patron saint of painters among a lot of other things and his symbol is the winged lion which equals courage and then St. John, the patron saint of love and loyalty, and he was the only one of the 12 apostles to not forsake Jesus. So I think just considering these particular saints or apostles that he mentioned and what they represent, and then the line, um, for I have done, please forgive me for I have done you wrong, mm-hmm. is pretty telling. <laughs> maybe some of the things that he's done that he um, he maybe just doesn't feel good about or you know, that he's reflected on in the past. I did similar research and came to a similar conclusion um, or found similar information, I should say. Um, And something else that I thought was interesting about Michael, who's the archangel, is that he is the helper of the church's armies against the devil. Uh, He's also known as the great captain or the heavenly host. And so that's a theme that keeps obviously coming up over and over during this album, this kind of fight between good and the devil and the devil inside me. And Michael is the one who leads that brigade against the presence of the devil. So kind of makes sense in this context that that's who he'd be appealing to. Yeah, so I just, I don't think there's a person in the fandom that doesn't like this song. It's just, it's impeccably produced. Um, it, it's lovely. I would give it 4.5 out of 5. I think it's... it's. Uh, Tara, I nearly had a heart attack there. I thought there was going to be a but, and I was waiting for it. No, yeah, I kind of did no, too. I don't see what you couldn't like about this, really. It's, again, it's 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 really good. It's beautiful. I said good so much. It's beautiful. It is. We love it. Transcendent. <laughs> Transcendent. Yeah. Yeah, I gave this one five stars also. Are we going to agree for the second time ever? <gasps> what? Five stars from all of us? Five stars no, all I around. Said, I said 4.5, did I not? Oh, you ruined oh, it. Come on, Tara. Right. We were so Sorry. close. I can't, I can't lie. We were so close. I can't cl- lie with my heart. We were so 4. close. 5. That's pretty damn close. Ugh, I have a feeling it's probably not going to happen for the rest of this album. But we got, we almost no. got there. We, we almost got there. No, this is it. Got my hopes up. Mm-hmm. All right. So we should take a second and mention the transition between October Sun and the Signs because I've spent more time than I care to admit turning this up with headphones and trying to figure out exactly what Matt is whispering there. Here are a few seconds of indecipherable whispering, and maybe some of you have better stereo systems than I do. Probably many of you have better stereo systems than I do, but I can't make out any of it. So I will put out a call if anyone can decipher that, or if anyone has the ability to isolate audio. 
I'm very curious. Yeah. Moving on to the signs. All this talk about reading signs. If I've heard that once, I've heard it 6,000 times. I'm a man who takes his time. Living satisfied while the rest of you jive. vibe to me if this one is one of those that's like got a lot of symbolism to it and i can't tell if it's like really shrouded in symbolism or if this is one of the ones that are kind of like really obvious about what the meeting is it's one or the other i like i don't like to think that it's as obvious as it seems like it is that he's just really bad at reading social cues and signs at life and he's wishing there was some sort of a roadmap to help him make good decisions i i don't i can't possibly be that simple uh i just can't tell this is one of those ones where i can i think it can go either way but it's definitely a funky little beat to it see it's funny that you went to 60s for this song because what i immediately heard was early 80s and particularly bruce springsteen who definitely is not someone you associate with Matt's music at all, but Matt has actually named Springsteen as an influence. During the uh, AMPM podcast, he talked about his love for Springsteen and how Springsteen's lyrics in particular had influenced him. And I definitely hear that rubbing off in this song, in the sax solo and the electric piano. It's kind of an an another anomaly in his catalog in that he hasn't done a whole lot that sounds like this. But I definitely hear that boss influence bleeding through here. I get that. That would make sense because it would explain why I don't like this song. I don't really like Bruce Springsteen. So <laughs> I don't either, but I go. do <laughs> really like this song. I am not a Springsteen fan at all. I don't even like 80s music at all. I don't get that era from it. I can see what you're talking about with the sax solo for sure as kind of a Springsteen quality. Yeah, to me, it just goes to like kind of mid 60s kind of funk. First of all, I can't believe you both because <laughs> Springsteen is a legend and really the last artist on my bucket list that I still need to see. I know that's a really, artist. a really unpopular opinion. And he is on my bucket yeah. list for somebody that I need to see live too. But no, I've just never, never really but been I respect a fan. That. Something else that I think is kind of worth noting about this song is that Matt's singing in a much higher vocal register than he does typically. Something, and I actually give full credit to Brie with Mess on the Mat uh, for pointing this out because this was her observation that I'm stealing. He sings in a similar register to 80 BC here. And actually, um, this song sounds a lot like one of the tracks um, that he sings as the innkeeper from 80 BC. <gasps> it totally yeah, it does. does. It totally does. I do not find like this it. song... I don't I don't find it interesting in any way. I don't 
I don't hate it. Don't really particularly like it, though. It's like a two out of five for me. This is about a four out of five for me. And the only thing that keeps it from being a solid five out of five, because musically, I adore this song and I adore the energy and just how kind of different it is from everything else in his catalog. But the weak weak spot here for me is the lyrics. He opens with, if you've heard it once, you've heard it six, or if I've heard it once, I've heard it 6,000 times, which seems kind of arbitrary. Like he just had to throw in something to keep the rhythm. He unironically uses the phrase while the rest of you jive. I just, he loses a whole star for the use of the word jive. I can't. So four (laughs) out of five for me. Maybe that's where I got the 60s vibe from. Actually, this is one of the first when I first started listening to Matt's music, this is one of the songs that I really caught my attention right away. And this is one that I would listen to on repeat quite a bit. I really love this song also. And I also gave it four and a half stars. You gave it a higher rating than I did. Didn't you say four and a half? I said four out of five. Oh, I thought you said four and a half. Um, Yeah, yeah, I gave it half a star more because I don't mind the word jive. (laughs) I think it sets the tone of the song. So moving on to songs that I think we can all agree are just undisputed classics and high points of this album. Knock, knock. I'm stood outside in the rain I can see him up in the tower He's no idea of the pain I've been knocking on his door for hours The wind whips high in the trees And the bells ring loud in my ears Like a broken man on his knees I'm holding back my pain and tears Knock, knock, knocking on the chapel door He's ring, ring, ringing on his bell I'm alone and so tired And under some wicked spell This is another song that Matt had spoken a little bit about during the promotional cycle for this album. He was asked also during the quietest interview from June 2013. There are lots of sonic snippets scattered around your two Acid Jadits albums. They named the round at the end of Knock Knock as um, an example of this. Is this by design or the result of you cutting down masses of material? And he responded, a lot of it is by design. Designed to the extent where if you attempt something, if it works great, if it doesn't, that's bad luck. I must have thought that those things worked, which is why they're still in there. Something like Knock Knock, I was trying to do a Joe Meek, Johnny Remember Me type thing. And I also wanted two drummers. I'd never done anything where two drummers were playing independently, that kind of concert for Bangladesh, George Harrison type sound, where there was Ringo Starr and that other drummer. I wanted that, and that was great fun, because I had my drummer and a mate of mine called Tony. This is... Tony Coot. Tony Coot, thank you. Just looking that up. (laughs) This is Tony Coot, who hadn't heard what my drummer had done, did what he thought, and it had this massive sound, which is hard to contain. But I think it's worked in the end. So, of course, being the music geek that I am, I had to go run to Spotify and look up Johnny Remember Me, which was a chart topper, um, number one hit on the British charts by John Layton from 1961. Um, And I know we kind of differed on this as we were talking before our recording, but 
I actually heard a lot of similarities um, between this song and Knock Knock. Superficially, they don't really sound the same. It's not like the same melody or anything, but they do have this kind of similar ghostly um, theme of ghostly possession. They have the same insistent beat. They have a similar spare um, kind of sparse ghostly production sound which just as an aside is produced by Joe Meek, who is kind of a legendary British producer of this era. Really interesting guy. If uh, you are, again, a music geek like me, do yourself a favor and look up Joe Meek. He is a fascinating figure. He um, ended up dying in a tragic way. He killed his landlady and then killed himself, but really, really kind of interesting story. Um, so that's my little music geek minute on Johnny Remember Me and how it relates to Knock Knock. But going back to Matt Berry, this song feels a little bit to me like a short story. And what really works for me about it is it's a story where you don't know all the particulars. It's sort of vague in the details. You know that there's this narrator who's under some sort of wicked spell and stranded outside of a church, but the the priest inside isn't letting him in. Uh, so is he possessed by the devil? Is he under a witch's spell? You don't know. Uh, you don't really know what's going on here. It's spooky and it's kind of gothic and it just works for me so well i also wanted to mention that in addition to tony coot it's james sedge that plays the drums on this entire album and um, james sedge is also a maypole and i actually didn't realize until i went back and really looked closely at the liner notes that he started on this album i thought that was really cool this is another one of those songs that it's either really shrouded or it's really obvious to me it I kind of lean towards the more obvious that it was a literal cry for help. Like maybe he was seeking out guidance from a religious leader because he was going through something um, like a, some sort of a, a crisis in his life. And he just, his cries were literally following, falling on deaf ears because the priest or whoever it was, was so busy up in the, up in the tower ringing the bell, he didn't hear the cries for help. And so maybe that's kind of like a struggle with another struggle with religion, possibly like wanting to go for help, but kind of getting ignored or getting the same answers over and over again, which are not helpful. The end of the song too, there's kind of um, another sort of witchy chant by Cecilia Fage. And at the end of it, it's in reverse, which just makes it sound cooler, really. Um, I think she's saying the same thing. It just flipped to make it sound more mysterious. With the dawning sun. From wood comes a fire, burn my body, comes a fire, burn my body, comes a fire, burn my body, rise with the dawning sun. Kind of digitally glitches and then flips, which <laughs> is just the coolest effect to me. Like it sums up this album so well. Tara, what do you think of this song? I Jesse, it's it's that's that's the impression I always got. Um, he's you know trying to talk to the priest or you know whoever, and uh, religion is kind of forsaking him. He believes, and it's. It's it's just leaving him kind of out in the cold, you know, <laughs> literally I, out, literally out I, in the cold. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. No, I I like so I'm kind of torn because I I like the lyrics. I like the kind of questioning of um I always kind of thought it was a little bit questioning of, you know, religion and religious beliefs just because of that. You know, I need you and you're not there. I'm bad and I know that I'm under, you know, a wicked spell like I need your help and you're just leaving me out here to uh, suffer i i like that part i don't like the song i i don't like the song i i I don't ever listen to this if i can avoid it i give it a 1.5 out of 5 oh Oh, (laughs) i am aghast 1.5 this is the best song on the album this is the other song that totally drew me in when i first started listening to matt's music i absolutely love everything about the song i love the melody I love the instruments. I love I love the dual drummer effect is amazing. And the lyrics are amazing, regardless of what the meaning really is. I just think it's such a it just paints a picture. It's just it, it, you can see him standing outside pounding on the door. The priest is ringing the bell completely, completely oblivious to the fact that he's there. I just think it's so visual. And it's just I, to me, it's perfect. It's five stars for me. Oh, sorry. I'm also going to go with five stars. Sorry, Tara. <laughs> it's like woman all over again. Yeah. Well, you know what? I got a lot of shit from people for woman. So maybe it's time it's for the tables to yeah. turn. Oh, I'm prepared for it. I'm fully prepared for it. I know a lot of people like this album and don't agree with me. So bring it on. I think it's funny that you both are like such big fans of it. I absolutely love that song. It, it, that one to me is like a real earworm. I've never been a huge fan of, of Kill the Wolf because I was coming off of like, I listened to Opium. I loved Opium. I loved Witch Hazel and then Kill the Wolf. Like, again, I like that. Like, I like a lot of it, but I don't know. I, it just didn't didn't measure up to me. I don't know. For someone that really likes lyrics, and this one is a super lyric-driven record. <laughs> I know. I just, I, I, and I, again, I like the lyrics of Knock Knock. I don't like the, I don't Oh, like God, I think that part's music. so good. I just think it goes so yeah. well together. I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm probably alone on that. Send me your hate mail. <laughs> All right, moving on to Bonfire. Another song that's really atmospheric and descriptive. This is another song like Solstice. Also probably why I like to put this record on when it gets a little chilly outside because it just makes me feel like there's a chill in the air and I want to just be under a warm, cozy blanket. There is uh, a slide guitar played by Alex Robert Shaw from Everything Everything in the middle, which is a really cool touch to the song. And um, at the end, there's uh, the sound of a flute with some sinister, creepy laughing. Cackling. Yeah, it's more like a cackle. Mm, Yeah, definitely a witch's cackle. Yeah, 
Yeah, this is probably, for me at least, the purest expression of this album, a fascination with the English countryside. Definitely runs with that pagan theme. He says in the lyrics, a gift to those watching over marks the end of October. So it goes back to this theme of changing of the seasons, making tribute to the English pagans worship the sun god who um, kind of oversaw the changing of the seasons. And um, I took the lyric of a gift to those watching over as a direct reference to that yeah it reminds me of like a pagan festival like a description of some sort of a pagan medieval festival exactly and um maybe the old goose fair oh maybe (laughs) it's also interesting too that one of the instruments that are credited to matt on this song is magic sounds so i'm not sure what exactly (laughs) the magic sounds and it's magic with a k which it's firecracker crackling noises i don't know but that just made me think of something which i don't know if it's related but damian eccles who is one of the west memphis three which was a very sad and famous murder thing in the united states um he wrote a book and he spelled it the same way with a k it just made me think of his description of magic i don't know why that just popped in my head that's why i'm kind of rambling oh no he spelled it with a ck never mind i feel but- like spelling with a k is more like a pagan a pagan thing I don't yeah, know if that's just is. something I made up, but... His book was called High Magic, A Guide to Spiritual Practices That Saved My Life on Death Row, but it wasn't actually written until 2018, so I doubt that in 2013 this was any sort of influence on Matt. But maybe it was Damien Eccles' influence uh, to write the book. I don't know. I think it's like a Wiccan pagan <laughs> way to spell magic, so it's probably fairly mm-hmm. common yeah. in like an old English way to spell it. Kinda. Yeah, I kind of think you're right now. I, I, I just remembered vaguely because I think I read it right when that came out, so it's been several years but i was just thinking there was something about the way he spelled it that that stood out so (laughs) maybe that's just what it was it was just a wicked way of spelling it so don't mind me (laughs) it was just a random tangent i don't like this song blasphemy i I think that this is the worst song on the album i don't know i just i don't like it i don't like it i listened to it probably seven times today being like come on like i kind of like the lyrics are kind of funky and like i i like that vibe i just i don't like it it does have a slight nursery rhyme feel that i kind of feel like you are into or you're not there's not a whole lot of in between with that sort of nursery rhyme chanting feel that matt sometimes goes for i kind of agree i'm not a huge fan of this i do like the atmospheric quality of it i like the way it makes me feel but overall i think it kind of drones a little bit i only gave this one a three and a half and i think it's kind of like with gather up it's not that i don't like it it's just that not really my thing four out of five for me it's Again, not really one of the standouts from the album, at least to me, but it is a really solid album track. And it just is one of the the songs that really kind of underlies and supports this theme of pagan folklore that really defines this album. All right, Village Dance. This is going to be interesting.
lot to say about this other than it's really kind of just an instrumental version of October Sun. Like it's the yeah. same melody, but it's kind of fluffed up a bit. Like um, I can't think of the word. It's not that it's fluffed up, but it's it's filled out more. And I think it's really beautiful as an instrumental. But at the same time, I kind of feel like it's just maybe some filler because he did it already. And I almost would have rather seen it as a b-side to a single rather than a track on the album although i really like like the distant dreamlike vocals like all the way in the background and like i said i think it's really beautiful as an instrumental but just giving it a different name doesn't necessarily mean it's a different track altogether i mean i maybe that's just me but to me it sounds just like october sung without the lyrics Oh, it is October Sun without the lyrics. But I do think it's different enough that it merits its inclusion on the album. It, to me, sounds kind of brighter, more optimistic, um, a little bit sunnier, no pun intended, Mm -hmm. than October Sun. Worth noting about Village Dance is that this song is lifted directly for use in Toast of London, and specifically Toast of London Season 1, Episode 4. For that scene, if you've watched the show, you know what I'm talking about, where Toast is lusting over his his girlfriend who is an army officer. He's got a thing for girls in uniform, and he pictures her as a paper doll trying on various uniforms. This song just plays in the background without any changes, um, with Matt singing over it some lyrics pertinent to the plot. That actually is one of my favorite Toast scenes. It's, um, I think, one of the best examples of what he does with the music of Toast of London, where he kind of uses the songs to add a layer of poignancy to the what's going on, which is obviously pretty broad comedy. And um, yeah, that's kind of what I always think of when I think of this song. It's hard for me to separate it now. I totally agree. And that's one of the I think that's one of the cool things about Toast of London, too, is that you really can, when you hear the melody, you can picture, it brings you right to that scene. Like, I always Mm -hmm. think paper dolls in uniform. (laughs) So I really love that (laughs) scene, too. I think it's really sweet. Yeah, I just, if I hear this, I'm like, oh, it's October Sun, very slight remix. (laughs) Like, it's just like, I don't see a point in having put this on the album at all. When I listen to it, I'm just like, I wish that I was listening to the actual October Sun. Well, the actual October Sun is kind of a remix too, since it was written for Music for Insomniacs first. I do agree that this version is, um, it does have a little bit of less of an ominous, more of a sunny quality to it. Um, In general, I mean, I gave it four stars because there's nothing wrong with the song. It's beautiful. I'd say four stars for me too. You can't see it, it, but Tara and Jesse are laughing at me and my squeaky voice. I apologize to anyone listening for my mouse squeak right now. It's no, a, she's a miracle my voice it all has made out. it this far. Jesse, you better do some audio wizard- wizardry with this. <laughs> yeah. I'll see what I can do. I'm just glad that mine cleared up at least. That's one less person I have to... Because this morning I was like, oh God, how the hell are we going to do this? And when's the latest we can push this back to get it out on yeah. time? But mine ended up clearing up and yours was better and now it's worse. So we're both screwed. We need to auto-tune. Just auto-tune everybody and it'll, <laughs> right. it'll work out. <laughs> Yeah. So, farewell, summer sun. Oh, wait, you didn't give it any stars. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry, three out of five. Okay, that's not so bad. It's all right. It's fine. Did I give it stars? Yeah, four out of five. Okay. Right? Yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> we got distracted by your voice, and we got off on a little tangent there. Yeah. Farewell to the summer sun As it dips below the hill 
gem it's just a excellent song i think that this is as close to perfection as you can get it's my absolute favorite on the album this is gonna sound mean but i don't particularly care for celia phage's part uh she's a lovely voice like she is a beautiful singing voice i just i would absolutely prefer matt to have gone solo i like her like when she's doing the background vocals I just, I don't know, something throws me just a little bit with her part. But again, I really love the song. It's just kind of my little criticism. because I can <laughs> like completely just flip that on its ear of that. I have like the opposite thoughts on this song. It's one of my least favorite on the album, but oh. the part that I really do like is the strong upfront vocals by Celia. <laughs> I actually wrote that down strong upfront vocals by Cecilia Fage on the middle verse. <laughs> Uh, but overall, it's it's a good description of the changing of the seasons from warmer to cooler months. I mean, it fits with the entire theme of the album. And I actually yeah. do think it's a very good close to the album, too. It's a good outro. For a sure. good outro, yeah. And I'm going to be boring in that I both find this one of the best songs on the album. And I like Cecilia Fage's vocals. <laughs> so I just pretty much like everything about this song. It feels like a lullaby sending you off at the end of the album. It's soothing. It's almost like a kiss off to the listener before uh, Matt lets you go. And the lyrics really reinforce that theme of changing the seasons, like you mentioned. I see this as kind of a companion piece to Fallen Angel, both in that they both sound like kind of soft uh, yeah. lullabies. They both have that really slow, soothing ballad feel. But they also both speak to resistance as to change and change is a part of life. Uh, Fallen Angel speaks to resistance to change and struggling with that resistance. And this is all about acceptance of change. And as we mentioned, parting of the season, saying goodbye to summer. It goes back yeah. to the whole yin and yang of the entire album. They all, the whole album has a, an opposing view. There's warm to cold. There's good and evil. There's all kinds of different opposites happening in the entire album, which I think is part of what makes it really interesting to listen to as a whole. It's not one that I like to pick out little things from, although I do, you know, I'll listen to the signs in a mix or I'll listen to Knock Knock. It's not that you can't, but if you listen to it as a whole, you really get a sense of what he was going for, which was nature. And I, I still don't feel necessarily the horrors of the countryside because I still think if you're talking about, you know, witches in the form of Wicca or paganism, it's not necessarily scary. I think it's just being in tune with nature. And I think that's a really cool thing mm -hmm. about this whole album. Also, I don't think that we've done stars on this yet so i'm calling probably getting a little ahead of myself but i like that he mentions october multiple times in this album because that's when mm -hmm. my birthday is <laughs> also my favorite month yeah it's clearly a, a month, month that means something that. to him anyone's guess, guess yeah. what maybe he just sends to cross time and space that it is the month of your birth and probably meaningful yes. to him 
I think that's probably the only explanation. Certainly yeah. the most likely one. Right, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll go with that. This is definitely a five out of five. This is just a perfect little gem of a song. Um, I gave it three and a half. I don't dislike it. I don't love it. It's kind of just in the middle for me. I agree with Courtney. It's a five out of five. It's amazing. All right. We literally don't. We literally don't agree on anything, do we? Like the three of us. (laughs) It's so funny. Tara and I agreed a lot more than I expected on this album. I really thought we were going to be just frenemies after we were done. And yeah, I thought it was going to be a lot worse. I was really bracing myself for it to be a whole lot worse. Other than well, Knock just, Knock, yeah, I think it was... Uh, there's just a few songs that I don't find are very good. And I know that that's still controversial because a lot of people just love, you know, the whole thing. And it doesn't hit like that for me. I do. I love it as a whole. I think the whole thing is just really amazing. Um, also, we should mention that there is um, a making of Kill the Wolf video uh, that was directed yeah. by uh, Ben Meadows. And it's mostly an interview with Eddie Piller about how he and Matt met and... Um, it just has clips of Matt playing various instruments with headphones on. He's wearing a really adorable t-shirt with a baby fox on it. An I, airbrush baby fox. Yeah. I don't yeah. know where it came from. I've only seen it in that video. And it's so cute. I love it. It looks like something you would have won at like the carnival or had made at the carnival. Maybe it's from the old goose fair. The old goose fair. I was just going right. to say. Does it be for the old goose fair? But that's what it reminds me of, like those souvenirs you make when you go to the state fair or something. He does several wardrobe changes, I think, in this. I think he's wearing like a dark denim shirt. And then Mm -hmm. there's that one clip of him with the baby fox (laughs) t-shirt. Love it. So it's just a nice little video. We'll we'll put the link in the description um, along with the links to all the the articles that we mentioned um, as usual and the music videos. We should also mention before we wrap up that just kind of looking backwards in retrospect that obviously Matt recently released the Gather Up retrospective of his 10 years on acid jazz. And when that was asked in a couple of interviews around Gather Up, what his favorite albums of his were. And in response to one of those interviews, or one of those questions from November 2021, he said, well, there's a couple I would say possibly Kill the Wolf and the Blue Elephant. They sounded exactly like I had in my head pretty much. So yeah, this is one of the albums that Matt kind of feels came out like he envisioned and like he wanted it to. And I think that says a lot about his own aesthetics and what he kind of tries to accomplish with his music. So there you go. Pure, undiluted expression of Matt's vision. Yeah. And I also think it's reflected. It's reflected in the fact that he had a record deal when he made this album. So there was more resources to put into it, even though he still played the vast majority of the instruments himself, even though he still recorded it in his flat. You know, you can tell that there's a higher quality that went into it. He even mentioned something about switching from GarageBand to Logic when he was mixing and editing this so you can just definitely hear the difference in quality between witch hazel and kill the wolf it's just a much more polished album so overall i give kill the wolf four and a half out of five stars jesse i thought that we were going to be much more because you were supposed to be switzerland in this album but i would actually agree four and a half out of five stars (laughs) switzerland is it i don't dislike anything really like I, i don't have strong dislikes of anything going forward i don't think but i mean there's some that are definitely better than others but yeah, I mean, it's not my favorite of his albums. Otherwise, I probably would have given it five stars. But it's just it's so well done. And it's just so good listening back to it again and really 
I think you get a whole new appreciation for it when you're doing it in this sort of context. Like you either are sick of it because you've listened to it so much. But that first time when you're listening to an album and you're really paying close attention to it and you really want to, you know, make some notes, jot down details. It's just this one, especially out of the ones that we've done so far, I just picked up on a lot of things that I never really paid much attention to before and just really appreciated some things that I kind of have overlooked before, including the liner notes and the and the illustrations and everything. It's just it's really well done. It's a three out of five. It's all right. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty I good is more than I thought you were going to say. Yeah. Like, it's pretty good. I don't hate it. I just, this isn't, this isn't one that's in my rotation. All right. All right. Well, it is one of my favorites. So that means I have to up my rating. I'm going to officially give yeah. it a 4.75. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. There <laughs> you go. All right. All right. That's fair. Well, thank you all for listening, as always. And I will give a special thanks on this one for for giving my creaky voice. And a few of us are recovering from colds, so our general kind of squeakiness in that regard. As always, you can follow us on social media at Obsessed Obscure on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. And we now have a Discord channel as yeah. of today. Yeah, so you can... You can get the invitation is on on all of our social media. There's an open invitation for anybody that wants to join. Come join our Discord and chat about the music with us. We'll see you in a few weeks. And uh, thanks as always. Thanks.